Well, that's been about a half an hour, so I guess I'll open the Word of God and see if I can do this without losing every note that I have. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of John. Years ago, before I got saved, I was searching for the truth and I was reading the Bible. And when I called my brother on the telephone and told him that I was reading the Bible and trying to change some things in my life, he encouraged me to read the book of John. And I didn't remember this, but I was talking to my brother one day and he said, I called you about a week later and said, have you read the book of John? And I told him that I had read it five times. You know, the book of John is a wonderful book. And chapter three is, uh, if the a book of John is my favorite book and the chapter three is my favorite chapter. And in chapter three, I want to just read you uh, just a few verses and then I'll pray and I'll jump into the message here tonight. The Bible says in John chapter 3, starting at verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. And here's our text verse for tonight. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, Remember the Wind. And I'll tell you all about that in just a moment. Let's bow for prayer. Father God in heaven, as I bow my head and my heart tonight, Lord, I realize that without you I am nothing. And I need you. I'm asking you, Father, here publicly to fill me with your Spirit from my head to my feet. Privately, I've prayed, but here before these dear people, Lord, I want them to know that I can't do this without you. I need your help. And Father, I pray for every precious soul that can hear the sound of my voice, that they would listen to the word of God and they would heed the warnings in the word of God. And Father, if there's one among us who's here at this service, but they've never trusted the Savior, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would bow their head and heart and put their trust and faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection for their salvation. And we'll give you all the honor and glory for any good that comes out of this, for you deserve it all. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen and amen. I want to share something with you, and this is not the message, but you know, Nicodemus was a, a religious ruler. Um, Back in those days, they wore what you call flactories, and they, they had Bible verses wrapped around their heads, sewn inside their clothing. Uh, they prayed three times a day. They fasted two times a week. They gave 10% of everything that they owned, and they kept the law. And that's how they thought that they were going to get to heaven, by keeping the law. But then Nicodemus heard of this man, Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so the Bible here says that Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night. 
And he didn't ask him a question. He just made a statement. He said, I know you come from God because nobody could do what you're doing unless you came from God. But Jesus Christ is God. And he answered the question on the heart of Nicodemus that night. Because he said these words in verse 3. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, Nicodemus was seeking the truth that night. That was a good thing. The next time you see his name in the Bible is in chapter 7 and verse 51, and he's standing up for the truth. The, the other Pharisees and stuff are talking bad about Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but he kind of looks at him and says, what has he done to you? And they look at him and say, what, are you one of his now? Yes, he was. See, he was seeking Jesus. He started standing up for Jesus. And then you go to chapter 19, and Nicodemus and Joseph were one of the two men that took the body of Jesus down from the cross to prepare that body for burial. So he went from seeking Jesus to standing up for Jesus to serving Jesus. Why? Because Nicodemus was born again this night. I don't know where this happened in the Bible, but I bet it was a very special place for Nicodemus to go back to in his mind and say, boy, this is where I met the Savior. And oh, how it changed my life. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about three things. Number one, the wind of conviction. Number two, the wind of conversion. And number three, the wind of change. The wind of change. So I want to share a couple of things with you. But before I do, I want to sing you a song that I wrote around this message because I was thinking about uh, the conversion of Saul. Of course, he became the Apostle Paul. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God came into Saul's life was when he watched Stephen die. When he saw Stephen die, he had never seen anybody die like that man. And I believe God started working on his heart. And on the way to the road, uh, on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, that's where he met the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And he was saved on the road to Damascus. And then when he went to the next city there, um, Ananias put his hands on him, removed the scales from his eyes, and his whole life changed as a result of meeting Jesus Christ. You know, I bet. Anytime old Apostle Paul ever got near the Damascus Road, I bet he thought, oh, this is my place. I bet old uh, Zacchaeus, every time he saw a sycamore tree, thought, oh, man, there's my place. I bet every time that woman in the well in chapter 4 of John, every time she went to get a drink of water, she said, oh, this is where I met the Savior. And boy, my life has never been the same. My question to you tonight is, do you have a place like that? You know, I was saved in an apartment on March the 10th of 1998 at 1230 in the morning. That's my place. I remember the exact time. I remember the exact date. And I know everybody doesn't remember the exact date that they got saved or the exact time that they got saved. But I believe everybody needs to have them a place and say, this is where I met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And from that day forward, my, my life has never been the same. And if you don't have a place like that, God wants to give you a place here tonight. And so I pray that you'll just listen uh, as I share some things with you. And I share this song. It's called Remember the Wind. Uh-oh, I'm getting ready to lose it here. 
When the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed There was a man named Saul Who watched him as he bled He held the coats of the men Who stoned him to death But he never saw a man Die like that You remember the wind of conviction Deep inside you knew that something was wrong The tug on your heart was gentle then strong You remember the wind Saul was on the road to Damascus one day When a light shone from heaven And he heard a voice say Saul, Saul, I persecutest thou me? Then he fell on his knees. Do you remember the wind of conversion? Where you called on the Lord to save your soul? Gone was your burden of guilt and sin. Do you remember the wind? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you. And Ananias put his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And the scales fell off of his eyes. Do you remember the wind of change? When the world no longer looked the same. God gave you a brand new name You remember the wind The wind of conviction blew into your soul The wind of conversion has now made you whole The wind of change will continue to grow As you meditate on His holy word remember the wind you remember the wind you remember the wind well there you have it do you remember the wind you know uh, there's a lot of things that we try to remember and rewrite things down you know what I think would be a good thing for everybody that's been saved and born again to write out their testimony. I encourage people to do this everywhere I go. Now, your life should be a testimony. People should be able to watch your life. And do you know, wait a second here. All right. Got me fixed there, brother. Just keep going. Okay, thank you. But you know what? Some people say, well, I just, I just want people to see my heart. Well, you know what? People can't see your heart. But they can see your life. That's why God says, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 21, the Bible says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. 
You know, I get to go all over the country, out of the country sometimes, and uh, I guess I am out of my country right now. But I get to share my testimony everywhere I go. So it's very fresh to me. It's always real to me. It's always been real to me. And every time I I share my testimony, I relive it. I relive uh, the time when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I wrote some quotes down from some preachers that I enjoy listening to. One of them said this, Salvation is the miracle of a moment. Growth is the labor of a lifetime. Another one said it like this, while the building of our faith takes a lifetime, the birth of our faith takes just a moment. When somebody is born into the family of God, that is an event that happens. It's a supernatural act from a holy God. When a sinner repents of their sins and trusts Christ as their Savior, at that moment there's a transaction that takes place and the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells the believer. Just as you had a moment in time when you came out of your mother's womb, that was your birth moment. So there's a time when you are born into the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ. It is a moment in time when in your heart you say, yes, God, I will trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. When did you become a Christian? You know, I've asked that to to people all over the country. Some people say this. You've ever heard this when you ask them, when did you become a Christian? They say, I've always been a Christian. You know, that's not Bible because nobody's always been a Christian. Some people told me, well, I've been a Christian from my mother's womb. That's not true. You know, I talked to a girl one time. I asked her, I said, tell me about when you got saved. She said, oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. My, my mom and I were walking on the beach and the clouds were over and the clouds spread out and a sunbeam hit me. And right then I knew I was a child of God. I said, you are very confused. Sit down. I need to talk to you for a minute. Salvation is not a sunbeam hitting you in the face. Salvation is not, you know, a lot of people think, well, I should have died in that car wreck, but God saved my life, so I must be a child of God. God saved your life, but that's different than God saving your soul. It doesn't say, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say whosoever shall not die in a car wreck shall be saved. It doesn't say whosoever shall be uh, hit by a sunbeam shall be saved. It says, whosoever shall call. So sometime in your life, you have to call on God and personally ask him to save your soul. I met a Presbyterian preacher one time. I used to do electrical work. I still do a little bit now and then for friends and family. But uh, back in the, when I first got saved, I was doing it for my livelihood. And uh, I was working on a house one day and I was the only one there. And during my lunch break, I was sitting in my pickup truck and I was reading John chapter 3 in the Word of God. This man pulled up and started walking through the house. And my uh, my, uh, boss had told me that the house that we were working on was a Presbyterian minister's home. And so I, well, that must be that preacher. I said, oh, man, I'm kind of looking forward to meeting this guy. I was just been recently saved. And so he walked through the house and he came out there to where I was sitting and eating my lunch and reading the Bible and And he said, hey, uh, he told me his name, and he said, "Uh, I'm a Presbyterian minister. I see you're reading the Word of God. And I said, yes, sir. I got saved March the 10th of 1998. I've been reading it ever since. I can't stop reading it. I love it. And he said, that's great. And I said, well, Pastor, I said, I'm reading John chapter 3 here about when Nicodemus was born again. And I said, you know, I was born again March the 10th, 1998. I said, when were you born again? And he made the statement, I've always been born again. And I said, What do you mean? He said, well, you're young in your faith. You don't understand. You see, Bruce, he said, my mom and dad were already in the church. And so when I was born, I was born under their umbrella. 
So what he's talking about is what they call covenant theology, which is a lie from the devil. Because God doesn't have any grandchildren, he only has children. Just because grandma and granddad are saved doesn't mean you're saved. You have to call on God personally and ask him to save your soul. And so this man was confused. And I said, well, I'm sitting here reading. And Jesus told a very religious man that he must be born again. I said, so, sir, if you're not born again, you're not going to heaven according to the word of God. And he said, I don't believe that. I said, you don't believe the Bible? He said, no, I believe the Bible. I just don't believe that. I said, it's in the Bible. What are you talking about? And so we started having this conversation. He got very mad and he just walked away from me and didn't want to talk anymore. But, you know, Jesus said, if you ever want to go to heaven, that you must be born again. You know, you can feel the wind, right? You can feel it blowing. The pages of my Bible are trying to, to go like this. If I wouldn't have something on it, then they would just be flipping right now. And see, you can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. That's what God is talking about here. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannest not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, when you look up here and see me, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside me. I am, I am indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. But you can't see that. But hopefully, you can see the effects that it's had in my life. And of course, I know everybody doesn't look like an ugly woman when they get saved like I did. You know, I had the long hair and all that stuff. But you know, once he came in, he started working on my heart and he changed me from the inside out. That's the way God works, from the inside out. And so it was like this little boy one time asked his dad, he said, hey, dad, he said, how tall was Jesus Christ? His dad said, well, son, that's not in the Bible. So I can't answer that question for you. And his boy had been thinking, and he said, well, Dad, I was thinking about something. If Jesus was as tall as you, and you're six feet tall, and I'm four feet tall, and I've asked him to be my Savior, and he lives inside of me, and he's six feet tall, and I'm four feet tall, he ought to stick out, don't you think? And that's the truth. If God lives in you, people ought to be able to see that. There should be an evidence of that. But you can't physically, with your eyes, see that God lives in me. But hopefully you can see the effects that he's had in my life. And so is everyone that is born of the spirit, the Bible says. And so first of all, I want to talk about the wind of conviction. See, I want you to go back in your mind tonight and remember some things. I want you to go back and remember when God started dealing with you about your sin. You know, the Bible says, behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Do you know that we're born sinners and we are bent to go the wrong way and do the wrong thing? And then when we get to an age of accountability where we know right from wrong and we decide to do wrong anyway, you know what? We're sinners by birth and there were sinners by choice. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have them with you, to John 6, 44. I want to show you something in the Word of God. Jesus said these words, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now, when a person is saved and born again, that's a moment in time when that happens. But before that, there's a drawing period where, where God starts working on the heart. I remember when it started happening to me. Now, when I was a little boy, my mother gave me a gospel tract to read. I was 13 years old. I read that gospel tract. And, you know, I, I believe that God was tugging on my heart that day and and then the preacher came by and we talked and they said, I prayed a prayer. I don't remember whether I did or not, 
But you know what? If I prayed a prayer, it went from my head out of my mouth and never changed my life. I went right back to being the same kid I always was. But then in 1997, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and God started dealing with my heart about my life and about my sin. I remember when it happened. I don't remember exactly where I was, but my band members and I were on a stage like this. We were setting up our equipment, getting ready to play one night. And uh, as I was laying out the chords and everything, I was listening to my band members as they were talking. Now, I want you to know, when I got saved, I lost half of my vocabulary just like that. Because I cussed like a sailor, I drank like a fish, but God changed all of that. And that night, as I, we were setting up our, our stage, I was listening to my band members and the filth that was coming out of their mouth. And I thought to myself, man, that sounds bad. It never sounded bad to me before. You know what that was? That was an invisible hand of a holy God reaching down and squeezing my heart. And I believe saying, Bruce, I want you to hear what you sound like. And as my band members were cussing like that, and I was thinking, man, that sounds so bad, I started making me a list. And the first thing I put on my list, I, I need to stop cussing. And then I'm playing that night, watching the people out there jumping around and acting crazy. And I said, man, they're acting like me. So I added to my list, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop partying. And so I started, I was uncomfortable with the way I was living. So I, I was going to change some things, but you know what? I couldn't change it. I tried, but I just could not. You know, the Bible says in John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it's expedient for you that I go away. Now, Jesus is talking about when he's getting ready to ascend to the Father and he was going to send the Holy Spirit. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. 1 Corinthians 12, 5 says that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And here I was. I was under conviction. I didn't know what that was, but I was trying to fix some things because I was so uncomfortable. And that was the wind of conviction. And sometimes the wind would blow real small. And sometimes it would feel like a hurricane. I remember one night I was in my hometown and I played a club and since my mom and dad lived there, I didn't get a hotel room. I stayed with my mom and dad. After the club was, after we finished playing and tore down our equipment, I got back home, you know, to my mom and dad's house probably about three or four o'clock in the morning. When I woke up the next day, I wasn't feeling very well from the night before. I felt like I had a football in my head and I was watching football on the television. My brother and his family after church had come over there and my mother had made lunch for everybody and I, I was feeling so sick I couldn't eat. And, and then they went outside and were throwing the football back and forth. And one of my nieces walked through the house. She had to go to the bathroom. And when she walked by me, she went to the restroom. And when she came back out, she just stopped in front of me. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Uncle Bruce... Do you know that Jesus loves you? I said, yeah, Jordan, I know that. And then she just took off outside. And I remember I'm sitting there on the couch. I've got this headache and I'm thinking, why did she say that to me? That was a little wind that God was sending into my life. I opened the show one time for a band called Shenandoah, the big country band. I didn't know it, but the lead singer of that band had just recently trusted Christ as his savior. And he walked up to the microphone. I did my 30 minutes. They were getting ready to do their show. And I packed up my stuff because I, I had to, I, I said, well, maybe I can listen to two or three songs, but I, I got to go where I'm playing tonight. And, 
And after I got through and packed up my guitar, and he walked up to the microphone, and he made this statement. He said, before we sing one song, before we play one note, we're going to stop right now and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm there and there thinking, what is he talking about Jesus for? He's getting ready to play the same old country junk that I'm playing. What's he talking about Jesus for? See, I didn't know he had just gotten saved, but I never forgot that. Years later, after I got saved, I was doing a, a... as a matter of fact, we were on a, a flatbed just like this. Some friends of mine, we were trying to win some bikers for Christ. We were doing this rally for bikers for Christ. And a friend of mine sang this song, and I recorded it on one of my CDs. And I asked him, I said, did you write that song? He said, no. He said, a, man, uh, a guy by the name of Marty Rabin wrote that song. Do you remember him? And I said, yeah, I remember Marty Rabin. I did a show with him that time, and he talked about Jesus. And you know what? Here, years later... God's reminded me of how he sent the wind into my life. And then one time, you know, the only time that I went to church was Christmas and Easter. So I was a Christ Easter. That's the only time I went and darkened the doors. I figured I've done my duty to God. Now I can live my life the way I want to the rest of the year. And usually when I was in the church, I would always sit in the back. But this particular day, I couldn't sit in the back because it was so full. So I had to sit about halfway. And after the service was over, This man, before I got out of my seat, walked up to me, grabbed me by the hand, and he started talking to me. He said, Bruce, he said, I've been praying for you to be saved. He said, your brother Sammy's been praying for you for years. He loves you, and I love you, and Jesus loves you. And the more this man talked to me, the more uncomfortable I became to the point where I started to sweat. And then I felt like I was going to get sick. And he had hold of my hand. He wouldn't let me go. Finally, I told him, I said, sir, I don't don't mean to be rude, but I need to get out of here because I feel like I'm going to get sick. And he said, well, don't get sick on me. And he let go of me. And I ran out of the back of the church. And when I went out of those double doors, I went, whoo, I can breathe out here. I couldn't breathe in there. You know why? Because darkness has no place with light. And the Holy Spirit of God was choking me, convicting me. So that was the wind of conviction. But the strongest time was when I went to hear my brother preach one night. And I was way back in the back of the church and my brother didn't know I was there. My hair was hanging in my face. I was weeping. I was crying. I was shaking. I was holding on to the back of the pew afraid if I'd let go of it, I would fall into the pit of hell. And I knew I needed to be saved and I wanted to be saved, but I wanted to be a star. I wanted wanted my record deal. And I was like, man, if, if... If I trust Christ, then what's going to happen to my deal? And my brother that night preached the gospel and made this statement. He said, if you're here tonight and you're not sure that if you died right this second that heaven's your home, he said, why don't you walk forward and we'll open the word of God and show you how you can be born again into God's family by putting your trust and faith in the finished work of Christ. And I wanted to walk down the aisle I wanted to run out of the building, but I couldn't move. It was like my feet were nailed to the floor. And under my breath, I was begging my brother to stop the invitation. Then he walked down. He left the pulpit area and walked down to the front of the church. And he said, look, it's late. I know it's time to go home. But I believe there's somebody here who needs Christ. And I don't know who you are. But we're going to extend this invitation and give you time to come. And I'm back there. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I'm weeping. I'm begging my brother to stop it so I can just get out of there. And finally, he realized nobody was coming forward. 
He made this statement. He said, if you're here tonight and you're not 100% sure that if you died right now that you go to heaven, before we leave, would you at least raise your hand so I could pray for you? And my hand shot up in the back of the church. My brother said, I see your hand and I'm going to pray for your soul, not knowing it was his younger brother. And I ran out of the back of the church. And the next day before I went back to Nashville, Tennessee, which is a nine hour drive from North Carolina, my brother called me on the phone. He said, can I buy you some lunch before you leave? And I said, sure. So I met him at the restaurant. We ordered our food. And as soon as my brother started talking to me, the tears started coming again. The conviction set in. I was weeping. I was crying. I was shaking. And by the time the food got to the table, I was crying so hard, I couldn't even eat. And I looked at my brother and I said, Sammy, I'm embarrassed. I feel like everybody in this restaurant stared at me. I said, can we go outside? He said, sure. We left the food on the table, went outside and sat down in his car. That's when he opened up the word of God. He asked me this question first. He said, Bruce, he said, could you admit to God that you are a sinner? I said, yes, Sammy, I know I've sinned against God. He said, that's right, because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, Bruce, do you realize because you're a sinner that you deserve to go to hell? I said, I, I don't get that at all. What are you talking about? He said, well, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. That word death is not only physical death, it's spiritual death, separation from God in a place called the lake of fire. Then he said, Bruce, he said, if you work a job and you get paid wages, you deserve those wages when you do the work, right? I said, absolutely. He said, well, God says you deserve hell because you do the sin. I said, well, I deserve hell then because I've done the sin. He said, that's right, Bruce. He said, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. If we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell right now. He said, but you don't have to go to hell because Jesus Christ took your hell on the cross for you. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love or demonstrated or showed his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then he showed me Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then he showed me Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, Bruce, it doesn't say whosoever shall be a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Catholic, a good person, or baptized. It says whosoever shall call. And he said, and you have to call on God in repentance and faith. Repentance is very simple. It means a change of mind. You change your mind, first of all, about yourself. You're not good enough to get to heaven on your own. You can't buy your way there. You can't work your way there. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, Bruce, you need to change your mind about yourself. You need to change your mind about your sin, realizing that your sin is against a holy and righteous God. Psalm 51, David said, against thee and thee only have I done this evil in thy sight. He said, then you're going to have to change your mind about your Savior and realize that Jesus Christ is your only hope for heaven.
Because he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, Bruce, would you like to bow your head and heart right here in this car and trust Christ as your Savior? Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Become a child of the living God. And with tears streaming down my face, shaking, weeping, I said, no, Sammy, not right now. He said, okay. Put his hand on my shoulder and prayed for me. And I drove back to Nashville, Tennessee, nine hours. Do you remember the wind of conviction in your life? Do you remember when God dealt with you and started drawing you, showing you that you were a sinner who needed a Savior? Then secondly, do you remember the wind of conversion? It was two weeks later after that meeting with my brother that I was in my apartment one night and I had been fighting it for so long I couldn't fight it anymore. And I fell on my knees beside my bed and I said, God, I don't understand it all but I'm miserable. I know I need you in my life. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done that was displeasing to you. God, please forgive me. I stopped trying to keep a list. I stopped trying to do it on my own and I put my trust and faith and what Jesus Christ had done for me on the cross of Calvary that night. And it was that night when the weight was lifted off my shoulders. It was that night that I was born again and I became a child of the living God. As I looked at my clock and it said 1230 and I reached over and wrote down, I gave my heart and life to Jesus at 1230. And then before I got off my knees, I said, God, from this day forward, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. You lead and I will follow you. I got saved and surrendered my whole life to him. That was my wind of conversion. Do you remember the wind of conviction? Can you go back in your mind and remember the place where you trusted Christ as your Savior? Some people say, well, you know, yeah, I believe in God, but, you know, I, I don't have a place like that. Let me ask you a question. You're here tonight. How many of you are married? Do you remember getting married? Do you remember where you were when you got married? And you can remember that, but you can't remember when you married the Lord Jesus Christ, when you came to faith in him and it changed your life. I'm worried about some people. And again, you don't have to know the exact time or exact date, but I pray that you have a place you can go back to in your mind and say, yeah, maybe it was a church. I've led people to Christ in the grocery store. I've led people to Christ in airplanes, in airports. You know, everybody has a place. Zacchaeus had a place. Nicodemus had a place. The woman at the well had a place. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he had a place, the Damascus Road. Do you have a place? And can you go back in your mind and say, yes, ever since that day, my life has never been the same. And we'll end up here. Do you remember the wind of change. The wind of change. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's a good verse for the nursery. You know that, don't you? But salvation is not changing yourself. Salvation changes you. And a prayer that saves a person changes a person. A prayer that never changes a person, never saves a person. You know, there's a lot of people who are praying prayers 
And they're trusting in the prayer and not in the person they're praying to. I do prison ministry. I've done it many years. I talked to this guy in the prison one time. He said, I prayed that prayer five times and it's never done anything for me. I said, are you trusting in the prayer to get you to heaven? He said, yes. I said, that's why you're not going. Because salvation is not in a prayer. It's in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, nobody's ever told me that. I said, I'm telling you today. Yes, there's a prayer to be said. But the prayer, your faith and trust can't be in the prayer. It's got to be in the person you're praying to. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save your soul. You know, we could be content with what we have, but never with what we are. When I got saved, I mean, so many things changed and some things changed real quick for me. I remember that night I was having trouble sleeping, but that night I didn't have trouble sleeping. I love Proverbs 3.24. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yeah, thou shalt lie down. Thy sleep shall be sweet. And I slept a sweet night's sleep that night. When I woke up, I lived eight miles from downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And when you live in the city, it really doesn't smell that great most of the time. But that day, when I woke up, I walked outside of my apartment. I said, I've never seen the sun this bright. I've never seen the sky this blue. I've never heard the birds so clear. I said, God, it even smells good out here. I mean, everything was different. I walked back in my apartment and I turned my television on because I always watched HBO and MTV and I could watch any kind of filth. Nothing bothered me. And all of a sudden, when I turned my television on, it was on MTV and there was a Rolling Stones video playing and I remember looking at it going, that looks like hell. How could I have ever watched it? You know why I could watch it? Because I was blind. Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's why I could watch filth and it didn't bother me because I didn't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside me. But now he's inside me. And I said, I can't watch that anymore. One of my favorite shows was a, a show called Friends. And these guys and these girls are in and out of bed with each other. It didn't bother me to watch that. But after I got saved, I quit watching that show. A lot of things that I stopped watching. And then I, I started looking around my apartment. And I had all these movies and I had all these DVDs. I had all these CDs. And I said, I can't watch that anymore. I can't listen to that anymore. Nobody told me that country music and rock and roll music was bad. I knew it was. I'd been playing it for years. And I didn't know what to do with it. I was a brand new baby Christian. I hadn't read the book of Acts where they took stuff like that and burned it. I put it in a big box. I took it to a store and sold it. It was a lot of money. I even gave some to the church. I don't know whether God used it or not, but I was just trying to get things out of my life. Why? Because God was sending the wind of change into my heart and into my life. Everything was changing. I started telling my friends about Jesus and poof, poof, poof. All my friends were gone. Nobody was knocking on my door. Nobody's calling me on the phone. All of a sudden, I'm all alone. But I'm not alone because I have God living inside me. Oh, man, what a change that was made. You know, it changed what I wore. I'm telling you, back in the day when I uh, was playing music, I wore some pretty wild-looking clothes. If it didn't have sparkles and fringe or something on it, you know, it either moved or made noise or something. Everything I had, I just loved those flashy clothes because I wanted people to look at me. It was all about me. But God's changed my heart. And so I remember the first time that I was getting ready to go to church. 
First Sunday, I was going to go to church as a Christian now. And I opened my closet and I went, oh my, I can't wear that to church. I don't want to wear that to church. And I'm looking at my closet and I said, God, I don't think I have any clothes to wear to your house. Nobody told me that. I just knew that I wanted to dress up for my Lord. I wanted to give him my best. He had given me his best, his darling son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I went to a clothing store that day. And uh, I walked in and this guy said, can I help you? And I said, you sure can, buddy. I said, I'm going to church Sunday and I need some pants, a shirt and a tie. And I said, I just want to get dressed up for God. And, and I said, uh, I don't know nothing about colors or anything like that. And I said, can you help me? And he said, yes, I can help you. And while he was helping me, I said, hey, let me tell you what happened to me in my apartment the other night, man. I started giving him my testimony. I didn't even know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, the wind and conviction was coming in on that old boy. He couldn't wait to get me out of that store. I even I said, hey, you want to go to church with me Sunday? He said, I don't think so, dude. No, thank you. And so I've got my new clothes, and here I am Sunday morning. I get all my new clothes on. I'm standing in front of the mirror, and I've got all this hair hanging on me. And I'm looking at my hair going, what am I going to do with that? So I slicked it back. I put it in a ponytail. I went, oh, yeah, that looks good. I'm good to go. So here I am. I've got my new clothes. I've got my new hairdo, and I'm going to church. My pastor started taking me through discipleship lessons in the Bible, and I came across a verse in the book of Corinthians that said, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And I thought, God, did you mean that? Well, you wrote it. I guess you meant it. But a lot of those other changes were very easy for me. But this thing about my hair was hard for me. I left home when I was 17 years old just so I could grow my hair long. It was my symbol of a rebellion. But now I don't have a rebellious heart. I've got a su submissive heart. But I'm still having a hard time with this change particularly. You know, there were times when I thought about cutting my hair, like going through McDonald's or drive throughs and they would hand me my money and say, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, that was a little embarrassing. Twice, I was in a club watching a band, and a guy tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted to dance. I thought about shaving my head then, preacher, I'm telling you. That, that was very uncomfortable. You know, I just didn't like that at all. But you know what? A lot of changes were happening in my life. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But here's this thing with my hair. I'm just having trouble with it. I'm just having a hard time making this change, even though I believe that God wants me to make it. And so God is so good. You know, my brother never said one thing to me about my hair. My pastor never said one thing about my hair. I'm glad they didn't. But God was speaking to my heart about my hair. I went to see a friend of mine in North Carolina and his wife. They had just had a brand new baby. And uh, when I knocked on the door, they had just gotten saved recently, just like I had. My friend Kevin opened the door and I went, Kevin, you cut your hair. He said, yeah, Brother Bruce. He said, I can't explain it to you. He said, uh, I was keeping my hair long. And he said, Brother, I don't, I don't know how to say it. He said, I just felt dirty. Do you know what I mean? I went, Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Because it was a change that God was trying to make in my heart and my life, and I was resisting him, and it was making me feel dirty. But right then I knew the hair's coming off. No problem. Got it. Got it, God. 
Drove back to Nashville, Tennessee. The next day, I put some clothes in the laundromat, and I went to the salon where I used to get my hair styled. When I walked in there, the girl that used to do my hair, her name was Faye, and I walked up to her, and I said, hey, Faye, I said, I want to get a haircut today. Can you help me? She said, not today. I'm, I'm slammed. I said, what about one of these other girls? She said, no, we're all slammed. We're all booked. And I said, well, I'm getting my hair cut today. And she said, it's not going to be here. I said, it's going to be somewhere. I had been in and out of this salon for eight years of my life. I'd never seen it. But right next door was Mr. B's Barbershop. When I walked out of that salon, I saw that sign and I went, I hadn't been to a barbershop since I was a little kid. And so I walk into the barbershop. Now the salon is full of people. The barbershop is empty and the barber is asleep in the chair. Now, there's all kind of red flags here, but I'm wanting to get a haircut. So I cleared my throat. He woke up. And when he woke up, I said, he said, uh, can I help you? And I said, are, are you Mr. B? He said, I'm Bob. What can I do for you? I said, I want my haircut, Bob. He said, what kind of haircut do you want? I said, I want it off my head. And he said, well, you're going to do better than that. And he gave me a magazine with all these guys, and they all look good, you know. And so I picked one out, and I said, well, do me like him. Got a guy there with a short haircut. So Bob sits me down the chair, turns me away from the mirror, which I didn't care to see it anyway, and I'm trying to witness to him. He's singing Elvis Presley songs to me. I should have just kept my mouth shut and let him cut my hair, I guess. But when he got through, he said, are you ready, Bruce? I said, I'm ready, Bob. Let me have it. And when he spun me around, I'm telling you, I went into shock. My hair was already in shock. It looked like I had a toupee sitting on my head. It didn't look real. It had a rooster-like thing going out like this, and I went... Whoa, Bob, what in the world? He could tell I was a little upset. And he said, now, Bruce, he said, if you don't like it, he said, come back tomorrow. And he said, we'll work on it again, and I won't charge you. And I thought, you bet you won't charge me. So I went home, took a shower, and I couldn't get it to do anything. So I went back the next day, and I said, Bob, I said, we're going to have to work on this. So he sat me down, gave him my second haircut. He turned me around. He said, what do you think? I said, okay, that's good, Bob. In his defense, I think he was scared to cut my hair too much, thinking I'd get mad. But I left the barbershop. I went into the salon. I walked up to my friend Faye. I got this close to her, and I said, Faye, I need a haircut. And she went, oh, my life, Bruce, what happened? She said, sit down. I'll make time for you. And she gave me my third haircut. <laughs> then I came back, went to church, and then I came back like Monday or Tuesday. I got my fourth haircut. Wednesday night. I went to church, and my pastor's daughter was about this tall, and she looked up at me, and she said, every time you come to church, you got a new haircut. I said, leave me alone, girl. I said, God's making a change in me. It's not easy for me. Just leave me alone. But five haircuts later, I'm done. And you know what? It's been a lasting change. You see, when God makes the change in you, it's a lasting change. When you try to do yourself or, or somebody tries to make the change in you, it's not going to last. But when you do it and God is the one that does it, it's a forever change. Do you remember the wind of conviction? Do you remember the wind of conversion? How about the wind of change? Maybe there's something in your life you've been fighting God on. You know what? If you give in, you win every single time. I remember after I got saved and I went back to North Carolina, I went to my brother's church and his pastor was preaching and during the invitation, I went up to pray at the altar and my brother came to the front like he did a lot of times and would pray with people who had come forward and 
he saw me down there praying and he talked to the people on the front row and he said, who is that? And they started laughing. They said, that's your brother, man. I changed so much my brother didn't even recognize me. And only God can do that. I hope you can go back in your heart and remember the wind of conviction when God started dealing with you. I hope you can remember the wind conversion. I hope you have a place where you got saved that you can go back to in your mind. And I hope you remember the wind of change. You know God's going to continue to change us from this day until we see him one day. This new CD that I've recorded, on the back cover there's a picture of me kneeling in the spot where I trusted Christ as my Savior. My daughter was six years old. She's 15 now, so it was nine years ago. We were going through Nashville on the way to Arkansas, and I said, I said, Callaway, I just want to take you by the apartment where I got saved and show you where, where God changed your daddy's life. And they were renovating the apartments, so all the apartments were empty. All the refrigerators, washing machines, everything was out in the yard. The doors were wide open. I got to take her right down the hall, number 374, walked in. I said, honey, that was my living room. There's my little dining area. There's my kitchen. Here's the hallway. There's the bathroom. I said, this is my bedroom. And when we walked in there, it's just an empty room. I said, my bed was right here, honey. My nightstand was right there. And that spot right there is where I trusted Christ. And he changed my life. She had my wife's camera around her wrist. And I said, Callie, will you take a picture of Daddy kneeling in the spot where he got saved? She said, okay, Dad. And I knelt. She took my picture. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. After she took my picture, she said, Dad, I have a spot like that. I said, you do? She said, yeah. She said, when we go back home, I'll show you where my spot is back there in Children's Church. And you can take my picture, Dad. Do you remember the wind of conviction? Do you remember the wind of conversion? How about the wind of change? If you don't have a spot, right where you are would be a good place to trust Christ as your Savior. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Like my brother prayed for me 19 years ago, 21 years ago. If you were to die right where you're sitting, if you're not sure that heaven's your home, would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Say, Bruce, pray for me because I'm not sure if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. And I sure don't want to go to hell. Would you please pray for me? Would you lift your hand so I could pray for you? Would you be honest with me and honest with God? Bruce, pray for me. I'm not sure. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not sure. Please pray for me. I'm looking around. I don't want to miss you. If you'll just slip your hand up, I'll acknowledge you and we'll move on. God bless you, buddy. God sees your little heart too, pal. Anybody else? Bruce, pray for me. I'm just not sure. Father God in heaven, you've seen the hands that were raised tonight, and you see the heart behind the hand. And Father, I pray that you'd give them the courage after this is over to come talk to me, to come talk to pastor or the pastor's wife, and get this settled in their heart and life tonight. 
Lord, I know that I'm heaven born and I'm heaven bound. And I want to see these dear folks in heaven one day. But Jesus said, you must be born again. Do you remember the wind, Pastor?